0: Welcome to The Culture Factor, where we talk to founders and influential leaders about company culture. We share stories from the C-suite that help executives engage their business from the inside and create a map to transform their culture. Because the truth is, culture eats strategy for breakfast.
1: I want to thank our listeners for joining The Culture Factor and ask that you subscribe, rate, and consider leaving a review. We'd love to hear who you'd like to listen to next. And a thank you to our sponsor, Company Tribes. They have an app and a virtual experience to help keep your tribe together during difficult times like now and business as usual. How strong is your company culture? Reach out to Paul at companytribes.com. As co-producers and hosts, I'm Holly Shannon, and along with Paul Jones, we welcome you to another great episode of The Culture Factor. Today on the
2: show, we have Johnny Hanna, a serial entrepreneur who got his start while in college from a competition for real estate software. In 2003, he co-founded Entrada, turning a $50,000 investment into over $100 million in revenue and 1,500 employees. Today, he is the co-founder of Homey, a tech company that streamlines the home buying process. We're going to dive in with Johnny, who's really passionate about mental health. He's really passionate about uh, his employees and taking care of his employees and helping them uh, succeed. And so you're going to hear a new take on how you can use your company values uh, to and tie those back to mental health principles. Uh, fantastic interview. I sure learned a lot, and I'm excited to jump into this with you. Let's go in.
1: Hello, Johnny Hanna. Welcome to The Culture Factor.
2: Well,
0: thanks for having me.
2: Johnny, thanks for joining us today. I, I'm really excited about this episode in particular. Um, you know, I've, I've, I follow you on LinkedIn and I've seen a lot of your posts and you really focus on uh, mental fitness, which is something that I think is so important in today's workplace, um, especially post-COVID. So a lot of your posts talk about how important it is for your employees to be mentally fit, how important it is for you to be mentally fit. And I just wanted to dive right into that and kind of find out What is it that has you so passionate about mental fitness and why do you think it's so important?
0: You know, yeah, I, I just have had such a focus on this with my wife over the last several years that I am shocked. I didn't learn these principles when I was a young kid. Like it would have just changed my life. And at work, you know, mental fitness represents all the drama that we have at work. I think every, every place of work has drama. (laughs) That's, that's what we all deal with, you know, with each other, it's, it's all about human connections and relationships. And so, you know, each one of us has stresses and challenges that we're going through personal things at home that we just kind of brush aside and ignore as if that is helpful. And so having a focus of mental health and and mental fitness to me has become core to who we are. It's, it's the foundation of our culture. And it's guided my life in all aspects over the last couple of years.
1: Hmm. Um, so when we spoke earlier, um, you know, sort of about the how your company is shaped, you had actually revamped your company design to focus on culture first with that eye on mental health. Um, could you expand for the listeners so that they understand the backstory level, what a little bit, sorry, um, what your company culture was before and what values you put in place that sort of speak to your new culture.
0: Yeah, I I think the values that we came out with, they were actually put together before we had a mental fitness focus. And now that we do, I, I, I feel that they tie perfectly. So I don't know how that happened, but I think I, I actually think mental fitness, mental health ties to any core value now, now that I'm you know just speaking about this and thinking about it out loud here with you guys but yeah our, our one of our core values was humility nobody wants to work with a jerk right and nobody likes that type of environment <laughs> and so you know my last company that was a focus for us too we tried to interview people based on our values and find cultural fits you know and, and that's that's not easy to do during an interview process but if you think, about the mental fitness aspect of humility, like people, people that may be insecure about the role they're coming into to fill, or that might be overconfident. Both of those scenarios come from a place of fear and that fear lives in our head. And so as you're talking to these individuals and if they, if they're overconfident or if they're insecure, you know that they have something that they're struggling with mentally and you know, typically I think we look at the insecurity as, as humility, but that's not, that's not the truth. You know, humility is actually having confidence and being secure with yourself. So just that one value alone, you know, you can pick that apart and help dive into that and understand like, Hey, you know, why, why are you so insecure? You know, you have great accomplishments. There are some amazing things I can tell that there are some things you can really help us do and achieve as a company, you know, and, and almost coach somebody during an interview process. (laughs) We're on, on the the flip side of that. If somebody comes in overconfident, that's, that's a little bit more difficult. That still comes from a place of fear. It's insecurities covering up, you know, covering up that fear with that overconfidence. And it's, that's a little harder to coach. And, you know, I, I don't recommend necessarily doing that during an interview, but just, just a quick example of one of our values and how mental fitness ties to it.
2: I love that example. And, and so based off what you've said so far, Johnny, it sounds like you had your company values before you went on this journey. And now you've, you're you looking at your company values differently, where you're being able to see, you know, take humility, for example. You're able to look at humility and tie that back to fear and help your people be more mentally fit by saying humility is something that helps you have this mental fitness. It helps you have this this correct perspective that's going to help you be better at your job. And that's why we focus on humility. I think that's fascinating. How did that work? How did that play out for you as you looked at humility and then you work backwards from there to understand that it, it comes from, if you don't have it, it comes from a place of fear What was that journey like? How did that how did that how did your perspective change when you Yeah,
0: it's it's absolutely been a process over time, and it's still something I'm learning. And I think just as I've tried to look at all aspects of life, and again, business is all about relationships internally, you know, if your employees are taken care of, your clients naturally will be taken care of, which if your clients are happy, your investors are gonna be happy, right? Mm -hmm. So analyzing our values, like mental fitness is the how it's the how to live your values. And so as a company, you know, we can address little topics during our company meetings or our town halls and have conversations around humility. Like we want to build an atmosphere of safety and trust so people can feel confident. They can feel confident to make mistakes that they're not going to get fired. If they make a mistake, they don't have to live in fear around that. And so, you know, we encourage people, to to disrupt, not just our industry, but disrupt the way we're doing things internally. And so disruption is another core value. And it's asking why, like, why are we doing things this way? And then from a, you know, more of a mental fitness standpoint, like why, why am I behaving this way again? Like you can recognize behavior in yourself that shows up consistently, you know, it might come every month and you can start to analyze that and want to, have disruption of your regularly scheduled distortion. You know, <laughs> right.
1: That's a good <laughs> so, way to put it. <laughs> so uh, let me ask you this question then. If you're helping your employees um, unpack their pain, um, how do you, I mean, it is personal, but how do you make it so that they don't feel a fear of losing their job? How do you make it so that it's not personal and that you're actually guiding them and helping them to solve problems within the company, to be disruptive, to to solve whatever problem they have internally. Like, How do you help them impact that uh, yeah. without it, the ego really stepping in or that uh, the other fear of, oh my God, I'm going to lose my job now? Yeah.
0: I, I can't make anybody <clears throat> feel that way. So it, it has to be built over time. So I'm I'm trying to build an atmosphere of safety and trust and trust is earned. And so, you know, you use the word guide a few different times and to me the best way to do that <clears throat> is to lead by example. And so I share very personal experiences in front of the company often so that they can see that hey, I make mistakes. Here's a big issue. You know, here's here's something I just messed up, you know, and Here's the fear I had around it, or here's the fear that I had going into my board meeting. And, you know, I, I, this is where I was and let's unpack my fear. Why did I have fear? Was I not prepared? You know, what what am I scared of? And so as I lead with these examples, more and more people are opening up and recognizing it's okay to be human, you know, and to recognize Mm -hmm. we're all the same. Like, There's no hierarchy of individuals where I'm a perfect CEO and, and super wealthy and and worship me and I make no mistakes. You know, that, that type of, of environment is a lie and that's a fear-based type of, of atmosphere. So it really is just the more vulnerable, vulnerable I can be, even during my one-on-ones with my executive team, you know, the first few minutes I check in on them, how they're doing as a human. You know, I, aside from just getting right to their, their deadlines and timelines and whatever projects they're working on, like it just, it makes it to be such a, a much more enjoyable environment and in, in a place where we can just communicate so much more effectively instead of being so controlled on what we're saying so that we don't get fired or so that whatever other fear might be in our head.
1: You know, Jenny, I have a a question. It's kind of the brass tacks side of it. Um, How have you seen, um, have you seen return on investment, productivity? Have you seen any changes maybe along that lines from shifting how you run your company?
0: Absolutely. Without, without question. I mean, I, I don't know how many examples you want, but I, one of them that, that, came to mind. Um, and, and there's some really serious ones, by the way, where individuals were really struggling with their mental health. Like, I, I think this applies to everybody, not everybody's suicidal. Um, and so I think when you naturally talk about mental health, you go there and you're like, oh, no, I don't have a mental illness. I'm not suicidal. But there there's so much to it. That being said, I have had employees that are really on the brink that have approached me in tears and have been appreciative that I have been so vulnerable and they shared their story. And, and now I know where they are and, and I'm, and I can reach out and and check in on them and make sure they're getting the help they need. And, you know, I don't know how that employee can be productive with what's going on in their head. So having somebody to confide in relieves some of that burden and allows you to then focus on your job. So that's, I think a more extreme example, but I do believe those examples exist within every single company. And on, on the less extreme example, that's more common. One of our our values is balance. And it's so hard to live work-life balance. You know, we all talk about it, but going through this and learning these principles, we're learning what self-care is and what self-love is and how to set boundaries. And some people have just worked themselves to where they're burned out. And, and burnout in any company is bad, you know, and mm-hmm. so as, as we've had these discussions, I had an individual who's a manager that came to me and just said, you know, Johnny, everybody's asking me to do this, this and this, and I can't go home and I can't see my family and, and this is going on. And so we had a, you know, we had a conversation around it and I was pretty bold. And I just said, you know, this is, this is actually your doing, you know, and, and that was a little hard to hear, but the truth is you are in charge of you. And I said, you can go home and be home for dinner at six o'clock. You can tell your clients, look, I'm not going to be able to get to this till tomorrow morning. You can tell your coworkers, I am done at this time. And you can hold those boundaries. And, you know, the world, like if you allow it to control your life and your schedule, it will. Totally. And so as, as we've had, as we've had these conversations, that same individuals come back just saying, oh my goodness, my life has, has changed, you know, and I'm no longer, you know, one blaming my clients and my coworkers for my lack of self-love and self-care. And I feel more healthy and I am standing up for myself. And it, you know, and I, and I let her know, look, if, if you're actually truly not able to get to your work and then works, uh, falling through the cl- cracks, clients are, are not being satisfied. We're getting bad reviews that's going to reflect that we need to get you help and hire more people. But that's, it's not on you to make everything perfect. You know, like we, you have to be open about communicating saying, I am going to drop this. We are going to see bad reviews unless we hire and do this. And if you don't believe me, well, you know, time will tell (laughs) because I am not going to work all night like I have historically. So those are examples that I hear more frequently then, you know, of course, somebody that's that's actually really, really struggling with their own mental health.
2: You know, it seems like you're uncovering so much, so many principles off of your values. It's one thing to say, we live a balanced life. It's a whole nother thing to say that balance requires boundaries. And here's boundaries that you need to set to, in your own life. And it seems to me, Johnny, that Uh, vulnerability has really been the key to unlock these conversations. And if you're going to have vulnerability, you know, you've led by being vulnerable yourself, but you, but in order to have employees be vulnerable, you have to create that safe environment that you're talking about from an executive perspective. Being vulnerable is really hard to do because you're, you're supposed to be the one with all the answers. Uh, you have to have all of your ducks in a row. Otherwise, you know, there's this inclination for people to lose faith in what you're doing when you have gone down this path of again thinking about vulnerability is the key to opening up these conversations what was that like for you for all of our listeners that are like all right i i'm going to try to be a little bit more vulnerable could you kind of take us down that path a little bit your personal yeah. journey there
0: yeah i have a specific experience that i can share and you know honestly i've been working on myself for the last 2 years so there's just so much uh so much time I've spent on really trying to make self improvement and be a better husband, be a better father. Um, and so I, I remember telling my wife, like, I really want to roll out a mental fitness program for my company and have, you know, this therapist that we've been working with come in and address all of these issues with our, with our people. And so, you know, as, as she did, I was connecting the dots with our values and, and I believe I can connect those same dots with any company's values. Again, like how do you live in an, an integrous life if integrity is your core value, you know, and, and everybody has very similar values. But I, I remember going to my company meeting and one of the things I was working on was being authentic. And I had fear around what people thought of me. You know, I, I wanted to be liked. I wanted to be the, the smart CEO, I, you know, I, I wanted to get up in front of my employees and have them admire me, you know? And, and it's so painful to be so controlled. Mm -hmm. And so I, I started a company meeting and, and I just said, Hey guys, um, we're going to be rolling out a mental health training program for the company. And I'm going just to let you guys know that I've been so, I've been living in pain. Every company meeting that comes up, I, I have this sick feeling, like, oh, I gotta prepare every word I say. And and I said it was so controlled. And I'm and I just hate that. I don't wanna be that person. I don't wanna feel that way. I wanna eliminate that pain. So as we've learned, inevitable pain versus optional pain, that was optional. I was choosing to be in that pain, choosing to be so controlled. So I explained this to them and I just said, and I'm done. I'm gonna be me. You know, I'm I I I'm not going to care what everybody thinks. I'm just going to share company updates, you know, and, and how our company's going, you know, and, and, and that's it, you know, and, and I just stopped there, you know, it wasn't very eloquent, similar to how I'm sharing this story with you guys. And they just started to applaud. And the first thought that came into my distorted mind was, oh, they're just applauding for me because I'm the CEO. So go ahead and keep talking just go on to the next part of the company meeting, you know, introduce the next person. But then this, this healing, this being self-aware of my thoughts, I heard myself tell, you know, speak those, those negative thoughts. And I looked at the eyes of some of the individuals who were clapping and I could tell they were genuine. And so that, that shift of, Oh, they're just doing this because you're the CEO shifted to just this, this feeling of gratitude and connection between me and, and my employees. And so I just sat quiet and I actually choked up a little bit and, and it was so raw and real. And I, and I then expressed everything I just told you guys. I said, here's where I just went in my mind. And now I'm in a place of just appreciation and thank you. Thank you for applauding instead of trying to dismiss that and say, Oh, like, Oh yeah, don't, you know, no need to applaud, you know, like trying to minimize Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Minimizing is one of these, you know, denial strategies of avoiding my pain or discomfort. And so I just soaked it in and it was awesome. And I wrote about it on LinkedIn, you know, posted and got like 200,000, you know, views on that post. And I, I just recognized like every business needs this. I went home and told my wife, I'm like, you know, can you believe this? And she was tearing up. She's like, this is, so needed in every workplace. And I just said, yep, we're going forward. We're doing this. And so from there, I've, you know, people then came up to me afterwards. And some of those examples of people that were really struggling came and put their arms around me and just said, you know, thank you for being so real. And here's what I'm going through, you know, and then we cried together and I'm like, I can't believe you of all people, you know, somebody that I thought was, a, you know, a superwoman and another guy that was, I thought was a superman, you know, and, and they are, and they're human, you know? So it's it's just been amazing.
1: You know, Johnny, you had said earlier um, how that guy who had worked for you was um, really like stressed out. He was working really late. Um, everybody had expectations of him and how when you really sat down with him, you realized that he was enabling it. Like he was sort of bringing Bring it on by always being available and giving people the information they needed at eight o'clock at night versus shutting off going home, having dinner, and having said to those people, Oh, I'll get back to you in the morning, kind of thing. I think the flip side of that is kind of what you were saying, where you opened up to everybody. We there's a certain amount of enabling in the old stories that we carry right? Like we, we're, we're, we're sort of like tying our own hands behind our back. Like people expect us to be a certain way. You know, we build these stories in our head. They expect me to behave a certain way. They expect me to say something in particular, whatever. And, and we sort of make it hard on ourselves to transition and be vulnerable because, you know, that's, just that's scary right so it's easier to stay in that place of just enabling yourself to be the model of what everybody thinks you're supposed to be as a ceo
0: yeah we talked about you know my my cowboy upbringing and the western society view of manning up and cowboying up but yeah all of this what you just shared it's a bunch of bullcrap and it's self-inflicted and yeah that that individual it was it was one of my one of my female managers in you know, she, you know, I had to help her see like the, the drama triangle, you know, we studied this and I just said, look, you are not a victim. You're not a victim to your, your employees or the people you manage. You're not a victim to your clients. Like, yeah, it, it's in your head. You're enabling this behavior by not setting boundaries. And you know, it's, it's the truth and it's hard to hear. But as, as we recognize that we actually have choice in the matter, that our agency allows us to pull ourselves out of these ridiculous thoughts that are, that are completely false. It helps us to heal and we can choose a balanced life if we want it that, and and to me, that's the most empowering thing. It's not, I'm not a victim to life. I, you know, it doesn't control me. And you know, I don't, And this is where we've gone through some really serious conversations like, okay, so is being stressed or overwhelmed in distortion? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know what? It is. You have choice. You have choice for what you take on and put on your plate in this life. You can choose to get out of it. And that's where I'm like, holy cow, this is so enlightening, so empowering that I have skills now to find peace instead of just hoping for a change in circumstance.
2: I think that is such a a key point is you mentioned skills and mental fitness is all about skills. And one of the first skills that I think needs to happen when you're going down that road is you have to become a self observer. You have to be able to take yourself out of a situation and observe your emotions and observe your thoughts. And you've kind of alluded to that throughout the podcast, you're actually making, I want to work at Homie now, Johnny, because um, there's, there's a principle called, uh, well, it's actually a framework, Jahari's window. And Jahari's window is you have your own personal view of yourself and then you have the image that you think other people see inside of you. But then you also have, uh, so, so that's your facade, but then you also have a perspective where there are things that people see about you that you don't see about yourself. And I think these principles of mental fitness and your example of talking to your manager about balance is an example of you're sitting from your perspective and you're seeing an employee who might not be seeing that they're struggling with balance and you're able to have a conversation with them, sit them down and say, Hey, from my perspective, I'm seeing this, is this in your blind spot? And to be able to have that vulnerable conversation between two people that's just improving life. I would I would kill to be part of an organization. Well, kill's not the right word. <laughs> but um, I would be very excited to work for an organization where I felt like I could go into that milieu. I could go into that community and I could get honest, raw feedback from people on how I can improve as a person, even though I might not be seeing that. Those are my blind spots. And I feel like that's what you've created there
0: yeah I and I appreciate that I, I think it's what I'm trying to create. you know it, it you mentioned you know just listening to you looking in the mirror is not easy to do. and talking about these things I have a lot of cowboys a lot of there's a lot of cowboy mentality, a lot of cowgirl mentality to where it's like this is this is talking about your feelings. What's Johnny saying? so there's you know there's a few that are like, oh yeah, this has helped Johnny a lot. I can tell that he's passionate about it. But you know it's not for me, and so, and and some of these people, I'm like, oh man, you have no idea. It's it's you need this so badly, and, <laughs> you know. But Enlight-
1: you, enlightenment is a journey. <laughs> yeah,
0: you, you can't force it. And you know, another thought that came to me is how many companies have communication as a value. You know, we want to you know communicate, but if if you cannot step back and and do that that principle of Jahari's principle, is that what you said, Paul Jahari's window. It's, it's just a framework. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you can't do that and recognize that every single person has a different perspective and be able to talk openly and vulnerably about the way you see things, you know, there's natural conflict and companies come to a standstill, you know, people get fired over miss, you know, misinterpretations, you know? And so if, if, It requires humility. It requires self-reflection and and that, that window of understanding the way that you see the world is not the way that others see the world. And you have to be open and vulnerable about that. So that's where I'm like, I just think of every other company with communication as a value. They could utilize mental fitness as a tool to actually live that value.
2: Wow. So cool. So game changing. I love this topic so much. I love what you're doing. So what are some of the organizational things that you've implemented to help your, your employees become more mentally fit?
0: Yeah, it's, and again, it's an ongoing process, but, um, I just, you know, recently a couple of weeks ago listed out all of our values and then wrote down how mental fitness, um, ties to each one of our values and how it helps us. So putting that on paper as a message from our CEO to all new hires, really can give them a, a strong introduction to what we're doing. We did a six week training with our executive team, a six week training with our mid managers, and then a six week training with the whole company on mental fitness. And we had this therapist who has taught me all these principles. She came in doing these trainings and we, re- we recorded each one of them. So every new hire has these six week trainings on YouTube that they can go to that are specifically for our company. We have, you know, professionals that they can call that they can get help from at any time with, with any situation inside or outside of work. Um, we try to survey our clients frequently to find out where they are in terms of their mental health, their battery life as a company, as an individual. Um, and then I, uh, every Wednesday from noon to one, I just have an ongoing open discussion. It's, it's our mental fitness um, Wednesday hour break. So anybody that wants to join, I typically bring in things that I'm working on at home or a situation that happened at work where I went into distortion instead of staying in truth and, and how I've worked through that. Um, and we, we have just amazing discussions for that hour and and random people throughout the organization join. So again, it's one thing that can't be mandated or forced, although you know, inside I'm like, Oh, I, I just want everybody to go through this, but it's, it's still relatively a small group that joins every Wednesday. Um, but those that do, I know, walk away with some little nuggets and it, as do I, like all of us come away, I think feeling, you know, edified from those conversations.
1: You know, Johnny, I think it's, um, it's really great that you're, offering something like that. I mean, first of all, let me just say that this podcast is really great because there's so many actionable ideas, um, that you've offered and, and I hope the audience will engage with us all on, on LinkedIn, because maybe you can share some of these, uh, training ideas that, um, other companies might be able to absorb and, and deploy, but I'm just really, uh, thrilled to hear that you offer something that's completely optional on Wednesdays. And I understand that it's a small group, but it's really hard to be vulnerable. And I think over time, more people the more that your your group gains from it, I think it's also going to gain momentum. Like I think it's going to become that safe place that more people gravitate to because it's that little place of community and being able to put stuff on the table for an hour on Wednesday, and we all need that relief. I think you'll get there. I think it'll get bigger.
0: Yeah, I hope so. And I, I appreciate you sharing that, Holly. Well,
2: Johnny, I that. am... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I feel so energized that after talking to you the first time and and today I'm like, let's go, let's yeah. do this.
0: I love it. It's so freeing. So thanks
2: for coming on the show.
0: Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Clearly I'm passionate about it and it's uh man, it's, it really has been life changing. Just, you know, all of these principles, like all my insecurity through high school, like, gosh, I wished I could have relived that and not had all that pain, you know, or yeah you know, in sports being worried about every move or, I, I don't know, like there's just so much that could benefit life. So yeah. I, well, I, I,
2: I, well, we spend most of our time at work. Yeah. So my whole thought on this has always been why not spend, if, if if you spend most of your time at work, then that should be the place where you're improving the most. And the only way to do that is to be getting great feedback, having real authentic conversations. And so Right. I just keep it up. I can't wait to to hear more about and, and read more of your posts on LinkedIn. I think it's so important.
1: Well, thank you, Paul. Yeah, we really appreciate having you. And I, I have to uh, uh, agree with Paul, just really great feedback on here. And, and we really appreciate you putting yourself out there for everybody.
0: Of course. Well, so so great getting to know both of you guys over the last few weeks. So yeah, thanks again for having me on.